Heads up. This episode, John and special guest Lindsay Calhoun bring rap about cramps, their pitch for the Heat 2, and dicks in film. They didn't even break a nail on Here's Why It's Great. Welcome to Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and tell you why it's great. I'm your host, John Bring, and we're doing something a little bit different this week. Uh, unfortunately, my usual co-host, Sebastian Kadlecic, is not available this week, so I'm bringing in a sub. She's a writer on Netflix's The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, if you listen to the Awkward Human Survival Guide podcast, you may know her as IUD Girl. I call her my wife. Welcome to the show, Lindsay Calhoun Bring. Hello. Welcome. I know you've wanted to be on the show for a little bit. Oh my God. I beg. I beg and I bleed every night. And I actually, uh, fun fact, I poisoned Sebastian. Oh. Uh, and I made him very ill uh, so that I could take his place for this one time. Well, that's weird because he's not sick. He's going out of town. Oh, I actually, I. <laughs> Did you buy his weird, tickets? I bought, I took money out of our savings account <laughs> uh, and I bought him a ticket to go out of town. Oh, wow. So that I could be on the podcast. Well, it's actually kind of nice of you. Yeah, so well, I'm a good into, friend. Was, yeah, you are a good friend. Welcome to the Here's Why It's Great studio, a.k.a. our guest room. It's really nice. It's really <laughs> swanky in here. Well, today we're going to be discussing a topic near and dear to your heart, I know. Yes. Uh, the 1992 movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, I'm very excited. Very near and dear to my heart. Uh, so this is a movie, obviously, it spawned the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. We're going to try to keep the two separate. It's yes. going to be hard at certain points because certain there's going to be, obviously, a, an amount of crossover. But this movie, yeah, is one of Joss Whedon's early works, and he, I think, hated it. As far as, as as far as I know, a lot of people hate it. Well, it has thirty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I just checked. Ooh, ouch! Uh, it has some rough uh, rough comments, but I love it. I always loved it. I have very fond memories watching it as a child. Uh, yes, written by uh, Joss Whedon and also directed uh, by female director Fran Kazooie. Right. Um, and on top of everything else, her name is I know. everything. That, that name is wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was uh, released in nineteen. Also, it starred Christy Swanson as the titular character, Buffy, yes. the Vampire Slayer. Luke also, Perry. Yeah, Luke Perry, Donald Sutherland, Rutger Hauer. Uh, this is Paul a, Rubens. Paul Rubens, yes, yes, yes. And is David Arquette in uh, this? David Arquette is yeah. absolutely in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like a pretty stacked deck in, in terms of like late 80s, early 90s actors, I yeah. feel like. So uh, I remember watching this for the first time, probably on HBO. Uh, it's probably coming off of something uh, that had like brief nudity in it because that was as a as a young man that was usually why I would watch anything right, if it right. had if it had that nice brief nudity little card at the beginning uh, <laughs> so I may have watched it from that I was like oh this is a cheerleader she definitely and it's a, a horror thing definitely she's going to probably get naked at some point uh, didn't happen doesn't happen but fortunately for me I did stick through the whole thing and I quite liked it as well and many years later you were the one who got me to watch the TV show yes one of my favorites of all time I tried watching that when it was on the air it was uh, not my favorite when it was on the air. I tried watching that and Dawson, I think, one week, and I was and I just 
was turned off. I thought they looked cheesy or cheap. I was used to watching movies for the most part, and I think I had seen the Buffy movie, which was a lot glossier than that first season of the show, mm-hmm. which everybody could admit that first season of the show, while very charming, is a little rough around the edges. Well, well in an effort to keep it separate, <laughs> I won't get into the reasons I love the first season right. of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, which will be uh, the next uh, podcast we do <laughs> together when I... Poison Sebastian. Right, next time, yeah, you got your plans mixed up. buy him a ticket someplace nice. Right, right. Um, but I have a lot of love for that first season, too. It's just super 90s, but this uh, this is the 90s-est. Oh, my gosh, we just forgot someone, too, which I know we'll get into, but Academy Award winner Hilary Swank oh, is also... Wasn't it, like, her first movie? Oh, I don't know if it's her first. I guess we'll, we'll have, have to... We'll have to check that. <laughs> we'll have to do some recon. We're, uh, yeah, we're flying by the seat of our pants. We, we just found out that Sebastian <laughs> wasn't going to be able to record an episode this <laughs> week, so now we're... Uh, doing this one on the on the quick, so look, uh, this will be our very own version of the first season of Buffy because yes. it'll be a little rough around the edges, shall we say? Or it'll be amazing. Or it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing and a little rough around yeah, the edges. We'll tell you why we're great. We're gonna tell you. Yeah, you're gonna just know why we're great by the end of this. Um, but uh, I haven't seen this movie in quite some time. What was the last time you saw it? Like this morning. Oh, I watch it every. That's how no, you start actually, every day. I have not seen it in a very long time. It's been years. It's been years and years. So maybe my memory is, uh, we'll, we'll see how it holds up, but I still have a lot of love. and I Yeah, I remember, th- the things I remember from this are Paul Rubens is great. Yeah. Um, he's very, very funny in this. Uh, it's not, it's like, not scary. It's just a comedy, more or less. Um, which I think was one of Joss Whedon's hangups with it was, I think he wanted, he was thinking it was going to be darker and more like of a more of a horror, and it turned out to be pretty light. I mean, I campy. agree. I definitely wouldn't classify it as. I would classify it as a horror comedy. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think. I mean, I saw it pretty young in '92. I was a young gal. Right. Um, how old was I? I was born in '86. Uh, so you would have been six? Uh, six, yeah. Counting, I just counted on my finger. So, <laughs> I, I mean, as a kid, you know, seeing vampires is always sort of uh, a little bit of a scare. But I think it was more of like a thrilling and definitely more of a comedy, I think, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Chrissy Swanson kind of like riding high. That was like her zenith at that point. Like, yeah. We had not yet gotten to The Chase, which, I mean, that's just anybody's career high. I mean, I the think Chase, her... Charlie, starring Charlie Sands. That's true. I think her career high was Deadly Friend when she played a robot who oh, murdered yeah. a woman by throwing a basketball oh, at her right. head. right. Yeah, that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, uh, by the way. Now that's horror. Yeah. Also a high is Flowers in the Attic. But uh, on top of everything else, I, I'd like to plug why Christy Swanson's great. Well, she uh, is pretty great. She's and pretty great. I wish she could would make a comeback, you know, like maybe she will. Like her, Daphne, Daphne Zuniga from um, yeah, from uh, Spaceballs from and Spaceballs. many other eighties. Like I'm sure there are other eighties icons like that that need to make a comeback. But I think those are my top two if I were to make a list. Yeah, of of two. Of, of, the, of two, those are of my top. Two, those a list are the of two. two. Yeah. John brings top two eighties starlets that need a comeback. <laughs> That's that's it. There's a list. Where can we get subscribed to the list? <laughs> Subscribe, like. Uh, so we're going to watch it now. We're going to see uh, what this thing holds for us. And we're going to tell you why it's great. And it's just going to remind us of so many good times and great memories. Let's watch it. Okay, and we are back. We have just watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is interesting. I'm actually curious what the actual title of it is. Everything on IMDb uh, says Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just like it is in the TV show. But on Hulu, the TV show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, no punctuation. But the movie is Buffy, comma, 
the Vampire Slayer. I mean, I have pretty vivid memories of the movie poster, and I think it's just Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, the same. I mean, I I think that they are the same thing. It's just yeah. Did Hulu take some creative license on that title <laughs> and uh, Maybe. decide to add the comma? The to, combinator. Yeah, to to separate the two. Maybe. Uh, so now, having watched it, uh, what did you think after having not seen it for quite some time? Loved. I. Almost loved it more than my memory of it. Oh. Because I'm sort of, you know, certain moments are coming up that I'm remembering, uh, and then there were things that I totally forgot about. Um, I forgot about that sort of like opening in the dark ages, you know, and oh, sort right. of the, the flashing back to it. And I'd almost forgotten a little bit of the origin story of, you know, how, how hers and Merrick's tale is really one of reincarnation, which right. is kind of interesting. But mostly, I super embrace the fact that this is, as we were saying before we watched it, a full-on comedy. It is hilarious. Everybody knows what movie they're in. I love the tone of the movie. Um, and also... It's such an evolutionary tale of a girl sort of figuring herself out and coming into her own. It had sort of moments uh, of like Edge of Tomorrow and Happy Death Day for me a little bit of this, you know, this young girl who doesn't really care about much. She says it in the movie, too. She doesn't really care about anything. She's not thinking about anything except like boys and her friends. And now she's thinking about everything and her whole world's changed and her look has changed. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, this time around was Awesome for me. I had forgotten how funny the movie was. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie, like you said, is just completely hilarious. And uh, the comedy has never quite hit me as much as it did this time. Maybe I was watching it (laughs) with an eye for it a little bit more or more of an open mind. Because I feel like any time before I've seen it, I've seen it as sort of like a more of a superhero type story. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like a Blade or something like that. And maybe I was expecting it in my mind uh, to be more of a serious, straightforward kind of thing. But now, kind of going into it with an open, a completely open mind, I really thought it was just so, so funny. And just like a scathing uh, depiction of, like, California people. Totally. And, uh, <laughs> the, you know, just very scathing. And a look at the, that Valley Girl persona and, the, and really just like a scathing portrayal of, like, the late 80s, I feel like. Yeah, that time period. And also <clears throat> what it means to be, like, a teenager at that time and a teenage girl at that time. Yeah. Uh, a reflection of that. But, yeah, it's just so fun. And I feel like everybody was just so on board, which I don't think I paid attention to in the past either in my viewings, but just everybody showed up to work. Oh, Nobody, sure. No, Stephen Root is hilarious playing the part of Stephen Root. Yes. Um, and also the principal. But every singer, a single actor, including Rooker Hauer... Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, everybody just showed up for this movie and just went all in. Um, Oh, and I think the unsung hero is Luke Perry. Yeah. I, well, because Luke is a total stud bow for sure. Yeah. And when you're watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, Luke is, you know, Luke's like the hottie. Well, that was the first thing that I thought was uh, the first time we meet Luke Perry, he's with David Arquette. They're in a movie theater. I, in my mind, uh, they actually went to the school, but I guess either they dropped out or townies, maybe. Recent graduates or something like that. But I, uh, when I saw him in the theater, I was like, oh my God, he's like 
20 times better looking than anybody else on the show, better than the movie, uh, 20 times better looking than her boyfriend, any of the jocks on the basketball team, uh, any of those guys. Like, yeah, Jeffrey was like a string bean motherfucker who was ugly as hell. (laughs) But she is the popular girl in school, and he is but a townie. A townie with a soul patch. Oh, yeah, the soul patch, which we'll get into later. Um, But, uh, no, I totally get, like, why those two would, why they would not uh, naturally find each other mm -hmm. in the the reality of this world. I just am saying, like, she would probably, if I were Buffy or any of her friends, I would take one look at him and be like, ew, but mm, but pretty good. Like, uh, pretty, he, still looked, he still looked Perry. He's still, like, the early 90s, like, ultimate stud. And to me, well... Even uh, though he is, like, a skinny little dude. He is. Well, outside of being a total beau, I... He was hilarious in this. He's so funny in this. He's really good. Um, and he... This is, like, a, a departure from his uh, role in 90210, I think. He's yeah. way less, you know, so deep in this. Yeah, he does get to just, like, have some fun. Uh, yeah. Like, basically... You could, I mean, because there's a lot of parallels between him and the Paul Rubens character. For sure. Uh, like, Lothos uh, is to Buffy as, yeah, he is to Paul Rubens. And they are, like, they are the MVPs of this movie. Yeah, they Paul are. Paul Rubens, who has maybe, like, seven lines in the entire thing. Like, he doesn't talk a lot. No. It's just him reacting to things so much. And it's great. He also just has so much presence that as soon as he pops up on screen, it's all you need. Like, his arrival is on a horse on a carousel, and you just linger on him yep. for minutes, and yeah. that's that's it. That's it. Right, as at the very beginning of the movie where he's attacking the eyebrows guy from Days and Confuse, who has never... I didn't realize that guy had done any other movies besides Days and Confuse. I was shocked to see him in this. Grueler. Well, speaking of Days and Confuse, maybe we're jumping in. Uh, uh, just jump okay. around. So, jump so, around. Jump Jump up, up, jump up, up and, and get, get down. down. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Days of Confused, there is a very special cameo in this film during a basketball game a yeah, little Mr. later in the movie. Mr. Benjamin Affleck. Mr. Benjamin Affleck. He has one line. I believe it's Dude, Take It. And the line is directed to Grueler Eyebrows, who he would later work with in Dazed and Confused. Indeed, indeed. What yeah, world? The Ben Affleck thing I had completely forgotten about until he showed up on the screen. And uh, obviously this was like 1991. They probably shot it in like 91. So right. like 1991 Ben Affleck, like before like school ties. or Before like, he got <clears> his <throat> teeth done. Way before he got his teeth done. That wasn't until like the late 90s. Uh, but it was just like, wow. He was probably super excited to have that, to yeah. like book that part, to have it he kind of overacted his line oh my and God. like his like gross reaction to giving the him the basketball and i love how they also uh just this movie that you could sort of tell was made like on the cheap a For little sure. bit like everything is kind of small it's fun that they like picked basketball as the sport because like <laughs> you don't have to have like big crowds football is just like expensive to produce right. probably and basketball is a lot easier we need 11 extras mm-hmm. and a sag voucher <laughs> yeah <laughs> and one shot. sag voucher for mr ben affleck uh but yeah he was in that but uh back to paul Rubin. And oh, yes. so you you uh, you find him, and he's just so. I mean, he is so silly in this, and I feel like he sets the tone for Rutger Hauer. I feel like had Rutger Hauer not had Paul had a comedian to play off of, Rutger Hauer would not have been as funny as he was. And Rutger Hauer, I will say, did not handle the humor quite as well as Paul Rubens did because Paul Rubens is a comedic genius. I mean, he's Pee Wee Herman. He's done so many things, and I mean, Pee Wee's obviously his biggest contribution to the world. I would say, and I grew up loving Pee Wee Herman. And this may have been one of the few things, the first of the few things that I've seen uh, with Paul Rubens not being Pee Wee uh, as a kid. Like when I was a kid, this may have been the first thing where I was like, wait a minute, is that vampire guy? Is that 
That's that Pee Wee. And this isn't back in the day where you could look on your phone in 20 seconds and have the answer. Uh, I had to just wonder until the name, until the credits came up at the end. I was like, Paul Rubens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's totally Pee Wee. And I think this, I think I saw it before uh, the, his unfortunate, you know, porno theater. Some may say fortunate. Arrest. But yeah, he's fantastic in it. Luke Perry is also fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, I had known, well, obviously I knew Paul Rubens as Pee Wee. I was a big and a, remain a Pee Wee fan. Oh, of course. But I, my familiarity with Rutger Hauer and Donald Sutherland were from horror movies, being a horror movie buff. And Rutger Hauer is especially a scary guy and very scary and moves like the hitchhiker. Uh-huh. Um, so seeing him, you know, having this movie kind of have those nods to um, horror movies, horror fans, horror actors, but still be really fun and funny is delightful to me as both a horror and comedy fan. Yeah. Um, and one of, one of my favorite moments in the movie, actually, is when David Arquette, that's right, David Arquette, everyone, who plays Luke Perry's best friend, when he does become a vampire and he shows up t- uh, to Luke Perry's apartment? Where does yeah. Luke Perry live? I asked you at some point, and you said he must live in, on top of a neon factory. <laughs> that's the only thing we could tell. I don't know, because later it shows him, like, you know, getting ready for battle and everything, and he's just got like the shittiest, grossest place in the universe. He does. I well, well look, he's a, we learned he's a mechanic, right? We also learned that Luke Perry is excited that Buffy refers to him as a man. So though I figured he could be forty-seven, he must be. He, let's let's call him. To, let's 18, call him twenty. Eighteen to twenty, somewhere okay, in that range. Somewhere in eighteen to twenty, which is less gross that he's like fucking around with that Buffy Summers stuff. Right. You well, know? not Buffy Summers. They just call her Buffy. Oh, that's movie. right. They, they never totally actually. Right. They never actually call her Buffy Summers. She's, oh. Wait, okay, I'm jumping around a little bit, but to get to my, uh, I have to come back to the Buffy of it, but to get to my uh, Benny appearance, when Benny appears to... Benny being David Arquette, of course, Benny, right? yeah, yeah, Benny is David Arquette. When David Arquette appears to Pike being Luke Perry, uh, he's floating outside of Luke's window and saying, asking, let me in, let me in, and that is a thousand percent a Salem's Lot reference, and oh, yeah. Salem's Lot remains to be, I think, the scariest vampire movie I have ever seen. I can't say that I've ever seen uh, Salem's Lot. I know you watched it recently. I have, yeah. I watched it a lot as a kid. It was always on TNT. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I watched it many, many Wasn't times. It, did TNT, like, produce it? Or was it, like, a network? Know, it's, uh, well, it's obviously a Stephen King joint. Um, I remember it airing in two parts as, like, a, an event, like, yeah. a, a movie event. TNT produce, like, The Stand and, like, the Tommy so. and stuff? So yeah. maybe they're just in the Stephen King business, baby. That's right, baby. <laughs> Salem's Lot, I still, I still think is terrifying. I watched it recently. I love that movie. And that moment of like floating at the window and a little boy tapping on the glass asking to be let in has mm-hmm. stayed with me. So I feel like that's obviously purposeful in this right. movie. It's such fan service, which I love. Um, they just actually loved that floating effect in this movie. They did. Of uh, Like every single vampire pretty much floats at some <laughs> point. Uh, they were very enamored with that. What was her name? Fran Kazooie? Fran Kazooie. She loved that effect. Kazooie uh, loves a and float. And sometimes it was used very well, uh, sometimes less so. Uh, like sometimes they just did it for no reason. Like uh, when Buffy's friend that she lent the jacket to. Cassandra. Cassandra yeah. gets uh, gets turned by... The master yes. uh, by Lothos. 
I'm now, I'm, now I'm already mixing up the no, show and right. the movie. I'm going to call right. him the master. Lothos. They call him Lothos, but they call him the master he's the throughout. Master. But he's like the master from season one of Buffy. But he's just like floating in the air for no reason with yeah. like a super Dracula look to him. Like because the, he can. The cape, and then he like swings the cape out, kind of like Batman. And he's got like <laughs> the little poles at the end of it just to make sure the cape has extra wingspan. It's kind of And he's floating, and he floats down to her. And it really is for no reason. Well, it's to make an entrance. I guess so, but like why? Why this girl that they don't know at this point has any connection to the Slayer uh, why does he have to make such a big show of it I don't know maybe he's just got a flair for theatrics I think it's a flair for the theatrics I think that each one of his kills are special to him okay you know? including the kitty cat that he picks up oh for a snack. no he does snack on a kitty cat we don't see it we it's don't off see screen it. in fact there's a lot of things that happen off screen in this movie that uh, sure mostly to cut around like not being able to pay off like the action uh, like there's a moment early <laughs> on where David Arquette and and uh, Luke Perry are at a bar, not the bronze. Not the bronze. Uh, I think the they were called the uh, Cafe Blase. The Cafe Blase, which is a funny name. But they were there, and they all they have enough money to order from Ricky Lake, who is also in this movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as their waitress, who also has like one line. That's right, Ricky Lake. They just dump like a bunch of lint coins and like one like <laughs> a jolly, and like a Jolly Rancher onto her tray, and she said, "You can order a hot dog with nothing on it." So. <laughs> Uh, so David Arquette and Luke Perry split the hot dog, and uh, Luke Perry eats the bun. Uh, David Arquette takes the hot dog, and he makes a very lewd gesture, a very uh, phallic gesture yeah. towards Buffy with the hot dog. And uh, and she, we see her grab the knife, and then it just like make cuts to different people's reactions, and we hear like chung chung chung, like noise of chopping, and then it cuts uh, back to David Arquette, and he's holding a hot dog, and it's like split in half. And they obviously just didn't have the ability to pull off her doing a cool swift swift slick like knife slice and that was just the first time where they like cut away from whatever <laughs> whatever action is maybe i kind of disagree i mean maybe that is the real reason but i think for comic effect it's funny to just hear it and then see him return to his hot dog, which he's obviously holding as a dick, oh, yeah. to now be chopped up by Buffy, which I love. Which, another thing about this movie that I love so much is it's actually very, oh, it's very, like, strong woman feminist which I love. So well, any, yeah, it's Joss Whedon, so of course. Joss Whedon, of course. Uh, but any time, and also directed by a woman, um, but any time that a guy makes a lewd gesture at Buffy um, or comes onto her, or, like, makes a pass at her that's unwelcome, it's always met, you know? Yeah. Like, her boyfriend's dumb friend slaps her ass and then after she's like full on Buffy she like knocks him down onto the ground yeah. and flips him over it's, and terrifies him it's awesome she does the uh, the, the the hand flip move uh, that I uh, quoted in, a, in uh, the Howard the Duck episode is oh, yeah. the, uh, the move that if somebody can't really fight uh, that's the move that they make them do to make them look like they can fight because well, it's all on the other person to, to fl- flip but she flips him over pushes him into the lockers locker. and he is singing a different tune singing at that point. Singing a different tune. I will not be hitting <clears throat> that lady's rear. And then there's this other moment in the movie that I love, that I've always loved, where she is, uh, she's stepping outside, and there's like a group of biker guys all sitting on their motorcycles. And as she walks by, it's like the equivalent of the construction worker whistling at a woman when she walks oh, right. by. And the guy goes, hey, baby, do you want some, how about some real power between your legs? And she goes, yeah, and they cut away, and then you realize she beat him up and took his motorcycle. Yeah, she knocks the guy out. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I do love all that stuff. I mean, that again, that goes back to like Joss Whedon's tone. Like, yeah, it's all very much in line with what he always tends to write. 
I know that uh, there's been sort of a bit of backlash in the last couple of years with Joss Whedon where, sure. you know, people find examples of him not being fully that way. But we're going to give him the, you know, the benefit of the doubt on this and just say that, like, at least in most of his produced work, he's very uh, sort of female forward and female empowerment forward. And, and it's cool that that carries through. And again, it's this is very funny, which is what mm-hmm. the good thing about the Buffy TV show was that it was it could be funny, it could be scary, it could be it could be action, uh, it could be dramatic, yeah. and that's sort of what this is. And it does the funny the best. Like the drama, the action is very low key in this movie. <laughs> we'll get eventually to the 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 big climactic quote unquote climactic fight at the school, but yeah. So I guess we should go through sure. Let's go through it. You know, go through some other aspects of it. Uh, Two time Oscar winner Hillary oh. Swank. Two-time Academy Award winner Hilary Swank, before the age of 30, I believe, plays an incredible role. I believe she plays the role of Kimberly. Kimberly, who, for whatever reason, is not... She's one of uh, Buffy's, like, four main friends, and for whatever reason is not... In the cheerleading squad? Well, she I, she does. She can't dance. Well, no, but we neither, could, neither could Christy Swanson, <laughs> clearly, well, if you watch this movie. Christy, okay, the dancing is not great. Starting with the opening number. Yeah. Which I love, which I remember this music. As soon as it started playing, I started singing it's along. It's very 90s. It's like the music is very 90s. It's like, I think a, I think I looked up the soundtrack. Lego my ego. Yeah, it's like a CNC music factory. So, yeah. I mean, so it is about as 1992 as you can possibly. Get. Which I love. Also, look, I can't dance along to anything and bring it on or right. bring it on to. Mm-hmm. I, however, can do every step of every okay, cheerleading well, combination that's, that's in this that's movie. Good. So I, you know, that's probably what it was. They probably just were thinking about audiences and wanting to keep them as included. Like young girls and yeah, just being and boys, inclu- inclusivity yeah. and yeah, young boys that want to dance along with Christy or who want to dance till you dance, dance till you dance, dance no more. Right. Who want you to keep it coming. Keep it coming now. <laughs> right. All of these things. So luckily they had that in mind. So, yeah. you know, you didn't get up and dance today, but I'm sure you have before. Oh, for sure. I know. I know every part of it. But I will give, I, you know, I'm making fun of Christy Swanson. No, like no disrespect to her, obviously. But like for the dancing less so, but for the fighting, she clearly worked. Because she did. those high kicks, for the most part of her, mm-hmm. she does those big jump kicks. She does a lot of her t- own tumbling. Obviously she can't do like the huge, like, super gymnastics floor routines like all the flips and stuff uh the like spider-man like flips that tom holland does those like one-footed like really quick flips anyway she can't do that stuff uh so there's a lot of body double action for that yeah but but she did a lot she did a lot of the fighting is her she she worked hard i love that that like montage sequence she is working really hard when she's prepping and becoming the chosen one and it even becomes like i don't know if she did this on purpose or what or if she just legitimately got better but like when the when the montage starts she's punching a punching bag that's Mm -hmm. the first scene that we see and the first thing I thought to myself was, like, she's not, like, punching. She doesn't have, like, a good fighting stance. Like, her hands are kind of low, and she's just not punching. Like, the punches don't look like they're very strong, but by the end of it, like, every hit seems to, like, land the way it should. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, that's maybe that's the montage of it is maybe I'm just missing the montage part of it. But, yeah, I'm just saying that, like, I feel like she got legitimate. The character Buffy got better. I feel like maybe Christy Swanson got better. Well, but she does a lot of her own fighting, and that's pretty impressive. On top of all she's given us, Christy Swanson is, first and foremost, an actor. So I bet. <laughs> so she just really delved she into this She delved role. into this mo- and was like, look, I'm training to become 
the vamp, the vampire slayer, right? The one, the chosen one. My first day out punching a bag for the first time, I'm going to be weak wristed. Right. I'm not going to know what I'm doing. And in the movie, Buffy is sort of like letting go of her cheerleading because yeah. it's less important to her now. Maybe Christy saw that and really read into that and was like, you know what? I'm going to, in my own training, in my own preparation for the role, yeah. I'm going to not focus on the dancing aspect of it as much because <laughs> it's not as important to Buffy the character. Uh, I, I do want to talk about Christy Swanson because I think she was actually, this is maybe my favorite thing that she's done, and obviously it's, you know, an iconic character. Yeah. Um, but I forgot just how good she was. Because usually when I think of this movie, I think of Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. And pretty much Paul Rubens. I right. think of how funny he is in this. But she's really really great in this and she like carries this movie on her back in in a great way and and that and you really she sells the arc of the character so well Mm -hmm. I think and just I mean again not only the uh, the fighting like you were mentioning like her dress the way she dresses changes like she goes from being you know very girly and uh, at the very beginning and then by the end of it before we get to our final dance she's in like jean shorts and work boots and and, like like, a a flannel flannel. and it's just very dressed down like light on makeup and stuff and so it's sort of like she just casts all this stuff aside but she's pretty excellent in the role Um, she's great I love well uh, there's this like runner in the movie where the movie opens pretty much with her obsessed with this like yellow leather jacket obsessed with very material things like and I kind of love that later in the movie once she knows what's really out there and there are real dangers in the world and she has a responsibility that she doesn't care about any of it anymore and now it's like whatever don't care no makeup flannel I got work to do yeah she's gotta go she's gotta go fight but she's great. You're totally right. And I think that she does a really good job of carrying the tone because everybody, I mean, she's in like every scene. Every Everybody's playing off of her. Yeah. Um, Except for like a handful of cutaways to Lothos and Paul Rubens, whose yeah. name I don't know. Uh, we're just going to keep oh, calling him Paul Rubens the whole what time. Is Paul Rubens I don't know, but uh, I don't really care. I don't need to know because I'm just going to call him Paul Rubens regardless. Okay. But. Uh, it, we keep call, we keep cutting back to them just to remind the audience that they're around. That they're that, there. That they're there, even though for sort of inexplicably, like at least in the show, the master had like a magic spell that he had to break that needed like a certain time and a certain right, set right, of right. circumstances. Lothos is just chilling because he feels like chilling. And I know well, he, I know, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 he's chilling, but he's waiting for the Slayer to ripen and be ready for him. Oh, okay. So this is all about the like thrall between them. So they knew the Slayer was going to be in L.A., LA's not a small town. Yeah, but they did. Here's it the deal. It feels like a small town in this movie because we only get like three locations, but. That's true. But it's, look, they knew where the Slayer was going to be. They traveled to this city. They're here. They're lying in wait. Paul Rubens is doing his legwork. He's building an army. Oh, yeah, he's That's an why army. he's out in the first place. I think Benny's the first guy he takes on. Yeah, one of the first. Um, one oh, of no, the first. No, the second. The, the eyebrows guy from, oh, right. from Days and Confused is the first. Grueler eyebrows guy is the first <clears> to go of our, our characters that we know. Benny. So he's building his army for the master. Uh, he's taking Cassandra, you know what I mean? So he's, like, getting ready and prepping. And it's all about his time, the perfect moment between him and the Slayer. Well, okay, fine. And then, it, <laughs> and then by the end, he he's uh, they're ready to fight. They know who Buffy is. By her first name, by the way. Yeah, okay. The, the whole time they're like, oh, you can't let them know who you are. As soon as you do, they'll, they'll ruin your life. And basically, uh, Benny goes and just tells him, Buffy. Well, Benny, that's all you need. Yeah, that's true. There, look, there are some holes, holes that I, you know, I gladly plug because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a perfect film. Uh, but you just mentioned, oh yeah, her name is not Buffy Summers. Her name is just Buffy. I think she's credited as just Buffy. Buffy. She has no last name. 
And the threat of the movie, the thing that Merrick tells her early on is, no one can know who you are. Don't tell any of your friends about this. As soon as the Again, vampires... Again, it's, it's a superhero movie. She's got a secret identity. For sure. She's a superhero, a secret identity. Nobody can know you. Once... Once it gets out of the vampires who you are, you won't be the one chasing them, you know? So, Benny, by the way, had already been introduced to Buffy in his human human form. He knew her name previously. Uh, Later, he... Maybe he didn't, because they just, like... Do they talk about that? I think they just talk about him as because after they meet him, uh, meet the girls at the movie theater and they're complaining about them, or maybe it's after the bar. They're they're both walking on drunk and they're sort of just they're not calling him any, any of them by name. They're just talking about them as these girls. Like, well, as, that's just well, John. Men don't talk about women by name. They just talk about them. As maybe these maybe girls. most men don't, but I always you did. do. I was always respectful. You do always 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 uh, respectful. <laughs> this is the guy who just admitted to like. Every Every movie I watched as a child brief was, nudity. was to try to see like a, a one second butt shot yeah, or something. We see you. No, at the bar, during the bar scene, the entire exchange with Benny, oh, right, Pike, right, right. and Buffy right. is over their names. Oh, yeah. Because Pike says, what's your name? She says, Buffy. Yeah. He says, Pike. She says, that's not a name. That's a Fish. Got him. Sick burn. Benny's present for the whole thing. However, I guess Benny, you know, once he became a vampire, didn't put it all together. You know, it reset his memory. It was just it like... It reset his memory. It didn't reset it entirely because he certainly knew who Pike was. Right. However... Well, you know, he never actually saw Buffy. Oh, you know what? You're right. Well, he did, but I don't think that he knew that Buffy was the slayer. Exactly. Yeah, because okay. he wasn't there when uh, when Paul Rubens' yeah. uh, character, t- to be determined, uh, <laughs> was chasing down Pike in the van. Right. Look at us plugging the holes. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. I knew. Th- so, I knew that this movie was airtight. Yep. And Benny was in. By the way, this is we're jumping all around, but this is towards the end of the movie. This is going into the third act. This is when Buffy is denying the call, uh, typical of any hero's journey. Yeah, uh, she didn't th- ask for this. She didn't. She she didn't, and she was just going to go to her dance. But uh, they pass by very conveniently. Uh, Benny is in a um, a photo in booth. a photo booth <laughs> and, and a hilarious uh, gag. He's he steps out of the photo booth. He says Buffy. He walks away, and then the pictures fall out, and they're all blank because Benny's a vampire and they couldn't see him. That's hilarious. a hilarious game. Very good. But as you said, as we were I'm saying. I'm sure Joss Whedon hated that part. I love it. You know what's so funny? I know you're saying Joss hates this, but it does feel so in line and in tone with what he does, you know? I, I know. It, it feels keep, close to the show. I know. It really does. And I think, uh, I mean, I'm putting pieces together based off of, you know, just a few minutes of reading online about his uh, reaction and things I've heard over the years. So I don't know the full story. I know Donald Sutherland was a difficult person to work with and would rewrite his scenes a lot. I think the director also rewrote his scenes a lot. And as somebody who I think Joss Whedon, that I, as far as I know, has been characterized as somebody who likes to be word perfect on things, um, I think somebody going in and changing his words constantly probably didn't sit well with him. It, uh, yeah, perhaps tonally, I think tonally it was different. And uh, but at the time, Joss Whedon, this is his first it's thing, his first movie. So Joss, first movie, he had worked on Roseanne and the Parenthood show, yeah, uh, back in the day. But this is his first produced screenplay for a film, and honestly, in in the film world, director is king anyway, or in, yeah. this, in this case, director is queen. Uh, yes, so, queen. Yes, queen. <laughs> so uh, you know, he had to maybe be a little bit less precious about what he put on the page. 
I, I'm sure all first-time screenwriters would go into that situation and gladly have their film made and probably come out with it grumbling. I mean, I had experiences on my first couple of scripts when I uh, wrote for Supernatural a couple of episodes, and one of them was rewritten fairly heavily, and uh, it and it I was butthurt about it, and I so I can kind of see because I still to this day I'm like. A, not not so much butthurt about it, but I just don't take as much like ownership of that episode. Well, you can't until you are the king or queen, because as you were saying, director is king or queen in film, and showrunner is king or queen in right. television. Oh, and so true. And I had to respect the fact that my showrunner felt like there were things that he wanted to change or yeah. uh, make different, and, and that's fine, and that's the way the business runs, and that's cool. My name's still on it, and Joss's name is still on this. So I get where he's coming from, but I also think like it's been long enough now. It's been so many many years that like just let let go of that i mean it's like this is a great movie people i mean look we're we're doing this because i think the world at large maybe kind of looks at this movie as as less than but i know it's got a huge cult following people love genuinely love people like you and me love this movie i do know that a ton of people who are huge fans of the show as as are we Mm -hmm. uh have never seen the movie that's insane. To Which me. is interesting, but no, you know, nobody really cares because I think they know that that's maybe like slammed. You know, it's the. It, well, we're gonna set that straight. We're gonna set it people straight. People should watch this because it's it it is it's the same, but it's not, and it like doesn't really add anything to like. I don't think it's necessary viewing, perhaps, but it is. I mean, you know, for oh. the for the show, like if you're gonna watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Sarah Michelle Gellar, you don't need to watch this. But it's like anything that. I don't know. It kind of gives you some great fan service, though, because there are uh, some really great moments in Buffy the series that you would miss out on if you weren't watching the show. There's a really great episode. We were supposed to keep it separate, but do you remember that really great episode of Buffy that's a bit of a flashback, yes. and it's seeing Buffy. And we see Merrick. Yeah, it's seeing Buffy through Angel's eyes back when she was in high school in, uh, in Los Angeles. She's wearing an outfit that, that Christy Swanson's totally wearing, like yeah. floral. We see Merrick. It's just really kind of fun to have all of that. I mean, that's neat, and I loved that when we got to that point, because I, I actually did, like, like I said before, I didn't watch uh, the Buffy show until you came into my mm-hmm. life, and it took you still years to convince me to watch it, but when we finally got to that episode, which was in season, like, three or four, four or something maybe? like that. Earlier, yeah. Um, uh, we got to that, and I just really loved those nods to the original. Sure. Um, there are also, apparently, there are things like uh, the ending of this was supposed to be Buffy setting the the gym, the school gym on fire, yes. uh, which they do reference in the yes, show. Yes, and that, So yeah. I, what I saw online was saying that basically this movie is, or the TV show is like a continuation of the original script for this movie yeah. rather than this movie itself because, like I said, Joss Whedon was so unhappy with this and with how they just mauled his vision. Fine. I do have to say that I think it's important to watch this from a character evolution standpoint. As I said, I love that this is the story of this evolution of this girl coming into her own. And for fans of the show, you sort of get to see what Buffy was like before she was changed and how Buffy was a thousand percent Cordelia. She was that girl. And so when she meets Cordelia in the first season, it's sort of that like, this is what's familiar. This is kind of who I should be. And then she realizes I don't want to be that girl anymore. And one thing I think the movie is missing, but the movie sort of focuses more on the romance between her and Pike. But it's missing like good friends you know solid yeah. real friends and so i love that the show no willow went, no xander there's no willow there's no xander you know i love the show went in that direction but for the purpose of this movie i love that it's about her it's about her relationship with merrick she's kind of like one of those charlie brown kids with no parents you know yeah 
which I love. I mean, she has a, a mom who I was actually going to bring up who is hilarious. Yes. She's great. She's great. She's just obviously uh, not involved. Yeah. Uh, there's this amazing moment in the movie, which we both laughed at pretty heartily, which uh, it was the first night Buffy was out uh, in the cemetery with Merrick, and she comes in dirty. She just found out about vampires. She's bleeding. She's bleeding. She's a mess. She's filthy. She's obviously been through some sort of drama. And uh, when she walks in, her mother pops out and says, do you have any idea what time it is? And Buffy says, uh, it's like 10. And her mom says, oh. I forgot. She looked at her watch <laughs> and she's like, Ugh, "You pay this. You pay so much for this watch, and you can't even run on time." And then she just walks off and like doesn't ask Buffy about like her, her what night, happened. What's happening? Why, why are you bleeding? Why are you bleeding and filthy and sweaty? Uh, it was a really funny moment. Yeah, her mom throughout, and her mom, by the way, for whatever reason, gets a credit all by herself in the credits. Yeah, who, we have to it find like out who this woman Candy is. Candy Jones as Buffy's mom, and it just like her credit Candy goes. Candy Clark. Ac- yeah, Candy Clark, and it goes across the entire screen by itself yeah, it's and like, leaves the screen and then the rest of the cast starts and I'm like who was Candy Clark maybe we're missing something we're, miss- we, we're missing who Candy Clark is but, Candy Clark when she listens she's going to be very upset but it's interesting that, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because Buffy obviously in the show had a mom that respected her and loved her like Joyce yeah. was one of my favorite characters on the show she's like the ultimate mom Yeah. Uh, whereas in this her parents are just like really absentee, absentee folks yeah they're like off at golf tournaments or uh, going to like the country club or whatever. Again, I, I think another like poke at like the, the, the 80s, Southern like, California the lifestyle. SoCal like yuppie lifestyle. Like, oh, these guys don't have time for their kid who's obviously desperate for some sort of direction and attention in life. Uh, instead, they're too busy off golfing and fucking around doing whatever it is yeah. they do. But they were they were very funny at least. Uh, if they not, were. if not great parents. But hey, I mean that all in the direction that Buffy is going, where she has a chance to realize what's important and to figure her own stuff her own stuff out. It you know it gives her the freedom and the uh, the wide berth to uh, to go into harbor yeah. of adulthood and all on her own. Do you know what I love about the movie? I feel like in the show there was a lot, at least early on, because you know by like episode four, literally everybody knows everything, and in fact maybe by episode one. Uh, but so much of Buffy's journey in the show is to keep up that superhero facade, like hide her identity, not let anybody know what's going on, having to lie to her mother because yeah. she can't tell her mother who she is. Um, you know, not being able to explain why she's late to school all the time and she's getting in trouble and she's taking a lot of shit for how she's helping everybody. There's not really any of that in this. Uh, it's more about herself coming into her own and embracing mm-hmm. what this is. And even though it's not something that she asked for, it is changing her. And it is changing her for the better. It's making her a better, stronger, smarter person, which I love. Yeah. Uh, so that part's pretty interesting. Yeah, again, just a great arc. And I feel like, again, Christy Swanson handles it really well. She's amazing. Uh, however, I could not... Uh, I know I made the Daphne Zuniga reference earlier. I could not, I can't unsee the two of them. They are so linked in my mind. They have the exact same acting style. Like It's like a little squinty. Like, like squinting their eyes a bunch, like pursing their lips, like sort of like uh, ducking their head and like putting their head forward. It's so, like, they are, like, Chris, uh, Daphne Zuniga, had she been a blonde, I bet she would have been cast in this part. Yeah, maybe. Uh, quite possibly. Or maybe, I mean, had Christy Swanson been a blonde, she would have been cast in this part, too. Well, what, was she not? I mean, she's a blonde, but, like, look at those eyebrows. Look at those black eyebrows. I know, Come I on. know. But, you know, you don't have to be, you could be a bottle blonde and still be a blonde. But, <laughs> um, but no, it was so weird watching this, like, uh, every time I'm like, who does, I was trying to think, who does she remind me of? 
this entire movie. I yeah. was like, does she remind me of like a friend that we know or another current actor? I was like, no, it's just Daphne Zuniga this entire time. Well. Which, both of them are a delight. I would totally cast them in like a buddy cop movie today. Like, if we wanted to make yeah. The Heat Part 2 starring Christy Swanson and Daphne Zuniga, I would be totally into that. I would write it. Oh, I would direct it. That would be so great. Oh, man. I would edit it. Just give me those ladies' number, oh, and I don't have a lot of money right now, but when I do, yes. that's going to be my first order. Like, when I well, win the lotto, besides, you know, paying off people's debt, like, buying myself a house or whatever, buying us a house, I guess. Right. No, that's, I like that this is, like, where our imaginary money is going into your production yeah, yeah, yeah. of The Heat 2 starring <laughs> Daphne Zuniga and Christy Swanson. Yeah, well, won't that be so good? Well, I don't think you're going to have to pay either of them that much. <laughs> I'll have to pay them something. You I have, have to pay them something. I have literally nothing to offer them right now except for true. just, you know, kind words and maybe some... But that may be, what it, that may be all it takes. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were retired completely from acting, but... I would love to see that. Um, here, we're gonna, I'm going to start my campaign starting today. I'm starting my campaign for The, the Heat, Heat 2. two. Well, uh, I guess we're going to have to get the right somehow to even make the sequel. Right, we're going to have to, like, somehow, like, I guess we'll just make Sandra... Uh, we'll make them... Pr- Sandra Bullock pr- and uh, what's her... Uh, the way that Joss Whedon... Melissa McCarthy is the name Melissa of McCarthy, yeah. The way that Joss Whedon made Fran Kazooie an executive producer on the show... We will make Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy executive producers right. on The Heat 2, starring Daphne Zuniga and Chrissy Swanson. Right. We just have and to Paul do Fig. a... We're probably going to have to get him in there. Well, we have, just, have to do a, we just have to do a little bit of legwork. <laughs> just a, the, the tiniest bit of work. Maybe just put their names on there. Just like give them a vanity title, uh, vanity credit. And, get, and we'll give them a vanity plate. Too. Right. We'll give them a vanity plate. I'd be like, The Heat 2, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be perfect. Uh, yeah, Heat Two, yay! Heat Two, uh, that's gonna be, yeah. That's gonna be their their vanity plate. That they're just gonna Oscar get that in the mail, yeah. and the next few days heat, after I get it made, Heat Two Emmy, and somehow they're all gonna have the same vanity plate, even though you can't repeat vanity plates. Uh, well, we'll do like you know Heat Two One, Heat Two Two, Heat Two Three. Right, right, right. So it'll be different. I was gonna say like if you did like Heat Two, uh, the E in Heat would be like a three. And one of them, and then like the A and another one would be a four. That way, we could like kind of slightly alter it. We only need to make three of these things. We're only one for make Sandy, three? one for Sandy, because I call her Sandy. She's not just Sandra Bullock. Well, she's, she's definitely Sandy. Sandy. One to Melissa. Okay. To Mel. To Mel. And one to Polly. Okay. <laughs> Polly F. That's what I. That doesn't roll off the tongue at all. But you know, that's what Polly makes me call him. Well, we can make three. That's three vanity places in the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for that's pretty sure. good. I don't know. They're kind of pricey. <laughs> like they're pricey. We have to not. Maybe get that Paul new doesn't get one. <laughs> yeah, maybe just maybe just Melissa. Maybe just Mel and Sandy. Sandy do. Um, and maybe they could do like a cameo in it. Like, uh, you know, Daphne and Christy, uh, they're the main characters, but then, like, there's one scene where they're, like, in the precinct, you know, they're, uh, they're in the middle of this hilarious case. Whatever the case is, mm-hmm. hilarious case, but with some heart and some action, mm-hmm. and they're going through, and then they like cross in the hallway with mm-hmm. Sandy and, and Mel, and they just like look at each other, and then just like nod out of respect, or maybe like we'll we'll make Christy uh, and uh, Daphne wear like fedoras, and they can like tip their hats <laughs> to Sandy and Mel, and then they go their separate ways, and then like the you're rest just, of the movie you're continues. At, you're you're making this unproducible. I'm just make, no, I'm just working at my highest level right oh, now. Okay. This is we this can't. Is, I just don't know how we're gonna be able to make that. I don't know how we're gonna get back we on. were able to make it before you had the fedoras I, yeah the fedora, fedoras do the get a little plates. pricey i remember trying I, to get my dad to buy me a fedora 
Uh, Why? Because you wanted to get all the ladies with the fedora Uh, as a teenager? I was eight or nine. We were at MGM Studios. I may have told this story on the show before. We were at MGM Studios outside of the Indiana Jones stunt show. Mm -hmm. The year was 1989, and they had a booth outside that was selling Indiana Jones fedoras and, I believe, satchels. And I begged, begged for the hat. Uh Uh-huh. And all I got, my dad would not spend, I believe at the, in 1989 dollars, it was like $45, I believe. Oh my god, that's like $4,000 today. I know. Uh, the best that I got was a snapshot of me wearing the hat, <laughs> and then we had to put it away, and then I just got to keep the memory. And uh, I still think that my life would have been very different had I gotten that hat. Huh. I would have been directing The Heat too, starring Chrissy Swanson. You would be. I, mean, I, I would have been doing life, the movie but, already. But you would have been so big that we would have never met. No. Had you gotten that fedora. We would have met. We would have met. That's fate, oh, baby. Oh, that's fate, that's baby. That's fate, baby. Hey, I have something very important I want to bring up that you didn't think to bring up yet. What's that? And, I'm, and I, have a, I have an idea as to why. Buffy is alerted to vampires via premenstrual cramps. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a little... That's when you can tell a man wrote it. <gasps> a man wrote it in a way... I love it because it's something that only a woman can experience. That, like, your body's alert. Like, my body can only do this. But, like, that's such a weird thing. Because as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, well, if a man had to be the slayer, would you just, like, pop a boner every time? I think so. And then the boner would just, like, point you at whatever direction it is. You know, like a tuning fork. So why do you get to pop a boner, but I have to be crippled over in, in crampy pain while I'm expected to fight vampires and save the world? And I wonder why they got rid of that part for the show. Can I, you I think? don't know. Gee, I wonder. And P.S., by the way, that was not a foolproof system because at the basketball game, she's doing her dance. She's cheering. Homeboy uh, eyebrow guy from Days and Confused. What's his name? The character name? Grueler. Grueler is right there waiting to... He's sitting well, on the bench and she doesn't feel anything. Here's the deal, though. Here's... Let me let maybe you, she's just in performance mode and adrenaline's taken over. Well, let me let you in on a secret about cramps. Okay? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You don't. You don't know. You don't know, am I right, ladies? Right, ladies. Uh, I believe you're referring to a moment when she's dancing with Luke Perry. No, no, no. I'm talking about at the basketball game. This is before we get to the dance. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let me let you in on a secret about cramp. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's still a secret. She is on a stage right now. She just had to go out and give a cheer. She's not going to be like, she's not going to show her pain. Nobody shows their pain when she's standing in front of a crowd of 11 extras and a SAG voucher. Okay. She's holding it in. Do they in. prop up a SAG voucher in the stands to, <laughs> instead of just <laughs> casting another person? She's definitely, look, if you're a girl in high school or a woman at all, do you know how often, do you know how often we all have cramps? We have cramps every second of every day of oh, every okay. of every minute of every hour and you just push we, it aside because you're strong do you know how do you know how badly i'm cramping right now and you didn't even fucking know <laughs> no you i had did no not. fucking idea because i'm a tough well i, I hit well, it I'm from you i'm only saying this because i was expecting her to like stop and like yay the thing's over and then for her to be like oh man cramps and then look around and be like where's the vampire i know there's a vampire and then it's like a ticking clock or like you know it's like setting up that oh shit something's about to go down and we as the audience i'm like know that something's up or we already know that this other vampire is there and we're just waiting for Buffy to find the guy that was just like a slight misstep on the so. part of the movie I'm not saying that I don't, it's, this is here's why it's great not here's why it's perfect look, we say this almost every show I, I agree to be on an episode of here's why Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie is perfect oh sorry and I I misled you in my pitch I'm gonna stay on that podcast okay alright uh, I don't 
don't know. I think that she, her body is realizing it as quickly as she's realizing it. She gets one good look at him and she knows. Well, yeah, obviously, because his ears are all crimped and yeah, oh, wait, his face nobody, is all jacked. Question why nobody mentions the elven ears. Uh, yeah, nobody mentions that. And also, uh, Luke Perry doesn't mention it to David Arquette when Benny is no. floating outside his window. I uh, Can I just real quick mention, one of my favorite characters in the entire movie is the basketball coach. He's great. Who <laughs> does not know a thing about sports at all. <laughs> He reminded me of myself because I am such a not a sports guy. Yeah. I believe at some point he's like, "All right, go team, go sport, score some points or whatever you do in this game." <laughs> um, anyway, I was I love that guy. His like plays. Uh, he just like put like a uh, an infinity symbol yes. and like a like a happy face and like um, the the male and female symbol together. He's yeah. like, if we work together, we can be. We can do anything. Uh, great character. Great, Pretty just great. like a, it's one of those. That's what I love in movies like this. That sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't happen enough. It's like when side characters have like a full life of their own and full, sure. like fully fleshed out side characters, and it's such a small thing. And when um when God, I cannot remember this guy's name. Eyebrows guy. Grueler. When Grueler walks onto the field, he like throws his sh- his uh, overshirt off and like throws it to the guy, and then the and then the basketball <laughs> like coach starts like it. like put tucks it under his chin and starts <laughs> folding it while cheering him on. I was just like that's. So such a good touch. It's true. I was very delighted by all of the great moments of the side characters because I feel like they took very special care. Uh, the I mean, coach same goes for the mom. I mean, same she goes for the this. mom. Uh, Steven Root, the principal, hilarious. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite moments at the end uh, after the dance, not the prom, but the senior dance because as her friends told her, there were three more dances. Right. There's the semi-formal, um, the fully formal, the, and the prom. And the senior all prom. Left. All left. It's a, it's a big year for dances. Uh, but one of my favorite moments is uh, Steven even Root is walking around handing out detention slips for all of the dead vampires. Yes. Detention, detention, detention. It's so stupid. And I love that it stayed in the movie. That that's like a part in the movie that's just there. I Steven love Root, it. can I just, did I already mention like he must actually be a vampire because he looks exactly the same yeah, now to me as he did back then. Like he's never, he, maybe he was just one of those guys like a, uh, uh, just one like a Wilford Brimley type that just was born old. He was born yeah. like a fifty year old man. Yeah. Maybe that's it. And he just now has finally caught up to how old he actually is. But he looks exactly the same. I, I had totally forgotten that he was even in the movie. I and did I was too. Very delighted when his name came up in the credits because I'm a big fan of Stephen Root. He's always like an unsung hero in whatever he's in. And he's amazing. He was really fun. Yeah, the side characters are great. I think um, Rucker Hauer was a good choice for Lothos because uh, the main bad guy. Because he just automatically has this evil presence about mm-hmm, him. For sure. Um, I think he's, I may have mentioned it before, but he's like the one guy who I feel like tried a little too hard with, to be funny. Like at the end, yeah. like he gets stabbed uh, in the heart and he's like, now nah, you've pissed me off. And she ninja kicks the, uh, the stake deeper into his heart and he says, oops. And he falls and like covers his head with this cape. <laughs> and, um, which is a funny touch, but I feel like he had seen Paul Rubens film his amazing, incredible, Oscar-worthy death scene and wanted to, like, steal some of that thunder or something. He did not steal any of that thunder. That is the scene of the movie is Paul Rubin's death scene. It's so funny, so pointless, and so needless, but it is great. It's great. And they cut back to it in the credits, which I love. Yes, I totally forgot that they cut back to it for another clip in the credits, which is great. Well, speaking of Rooker Howard's death scene, I think you were going to get to this earlier. The fighting's, you know, Fairly good in the movie. No, actually, I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say the action in this is pretty lackluster. Well, I, I think was... that's the one thing where this movie could not handle 
the workload. Like, as a comedy, it works. Right. As an action movie or a movie with action beats, like, it does not. Whereas I, The Heat did the work heat, in that way. Like, it worked as both. It's an action thing and a comedy. The Heat 2 is well, definitely going to work as both. I'm going to do The Heat 2 with no action and make it work just as a comedy as Buffy did. Okay. Movie. Well, that's uh, Well, what I was going to say was, you're look, you're right. It's not. But I don't think it's an action movie. No, it's not. Um, but I think that they helped that along with story. Because there are these really long lingering moments with Buffy just lying in Lothos's arms where he could kill her at any moment. But from his perspective and his story is he wants it to be perfect. He wants her to be under his thrall. He wants her to be like, you know, in lust with him. It's very Dracula, you know. Right. And the moment that she's not feeling it anymore, it's not fun for him anymore. So I feel like the fighting is less important between them than that sort of emotion, you know, yeah. that they're sort of looking. I mean, it, it's fine. Again, I'm plugging holes, man. No, I'm no, I know holes. you are. It's, but it was like, uh, we don't exactly know how to make this like an epic confrontation between the two. Obviously, he pull, he eventually uh, Kool-Aid mans through the wall uh, <laughs> and, into true. the gym, and then he pulls out a sword, and she uh, she takes a California flag and uses the flagpole to fight him. Uh, hey, where'd the sword come out? Why was he, Why does he want to kill her with a sword? I don't know. I don't know. It's it fine. seems like he's a super vampire. He'd probably be it's, able to kill her with his bare hands. But Pike ju- look, Pike is a man. Pike jumps in with the master of vampires and yeah. jumps on his back like Just a rescue, fucking puppy. Like a spider monkey. Like a spider monkey. And uh, he goes for it, and he, of course, gets tossed around. It, there's a lot of Luke Perry getting tossed around, and I believe... But he tries. A lot of these were, like, actually Luke Perry. I feel like there's a lot of times where he, like, gets thrown, and, it, like, you see his face. Oh, I'm sure he's super method, man. Yeah. I, there's one where, specifically where he got, like, flipped onto yeah, a table. Yeah, that was and then good. immediately he turned his face, and it was him. They did not do a body double for him. Um, yeah, I feel like for the action of it, and maybe this is a minor gripe, because... Clearly watching it again, it is not an action it's movie. Not, it's not Blade. We didn't show up for Blade. Exactly. Okay. But I was just, they kind of leaned on the uh, the flippies a lot. Like, anytime there needs to be an action moment, it's like they cut to a Christy Swanson body, body double, double gymnast who does a bunch of flips, and then it lands, it cuts back to her, <laughs> she lands, and throws one punch or one kick, and, and the vampires are done. There are so many vampires that are dispatched with a single kick or punch also. There's like the one where uh, they just, they were actually right about to meet up with Lothos and Paul Rubin. And the Pasadena Rose, the floats. The Rose Parade floats. The Rose Parade floats. And, uh, like, first Luke Perry comes behind one guy and kills him. Uh, actually, uh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, my God, John. Grueler. Okay. Grueler. Eyebrow guy. A gruel, like, I did this on the Howard the Duck episode where I couldn't I remember the name of the, think the jet. Think, like, Bueller? Like yeah, yeah, no, every time Grueler. we say it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to remember that this time. And then I forget every time. Anyway, he kills Grueler, uh, and there are two more vampires <laughs> left. Uh, Luke Perry gets attacked. She kills one. Yeah. And Luke Perry's getting attacked by another one. And she just, like, jumps on his back. And then uh, doesn't stab him with anything. Doesn't, like, break his neck or whatever. Jumps on his back. And he's just done. Well, he was off screen. We don't know what she did to him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's true. Maybe it's We're true. We're on her. And then there's one that I, one person, and they, they say it on IMDb in the in the trivia section that it was Seth Green. And it's a little guy with red spiky hair. You only see him from behind. And she kicks him in the face. And you can kind of see a little figure. Uh, laying in the ground that I'm pretty sure is Seth Green, which makes him the only actor, I believe, to cross over between the show and the yeah, movie. Yeah, <clears throat> I hope that's true. If it isn't, it isn't, and it was just some I just don't know short... why Seth Green is showing up for a sa- for that one SAG voucher and like a hot meal. 
catcher. It's just like well, it's just the hot meal. Yeah. So he gets kicked in the face. He maybe he got a stunt bump. I don't know. But anyhow, he's a working uh, actor at that point. He was a child actor in like 1991. I guess Are he you, was in like Airborne and stuff. Uh, he had been maybe. in no. He was he had been in movies. He'd been in uh, my oh god, my stepmother's an alien with Allison Hannigan. Oh right. As a child, he had been. Oh, doing another Buffy alum. Another Buffy alum. He had been doing some movies. Okay, he, he didn't. He didn't need to be a faceless extra. Well, maybe his scenes got cut. Maybe he had more to do, and they just got cut down because that happens. Do you think that Joss Whedon you know remembered what? him as an extra? I remembered and was like that. Him. It was like him. That's who we want. I'm going to create the role of Oz for that extra in the TV show. Probably. And he was like, "Oh man, that kid was so good." And my stepmother is an alien. I think so. Oh, so. you know who else was good in that? He's gonna play Allison the chief in, Hannigan. He's gonna play the chief in in the Heat too that we're gonna produce. Can't handle the Heat. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so the action is not fantastic but again it's not supposed to be and so that's the only thing that i have is like the big climax is kind of wacky it's very like zany and uh there's a lot of just a lot of people running around the uh one vampire goes after the dj doesn't even kill the dj the dj just runs off and the vampire instead of killing him decides to resume djing and does a lot of very 90s dance moves uh pretty (laughs) pretty fun uh luke perry actually carries the most action i think he throws the most punches and kicks in the entire thing um, also, he looks pretty weak doing it. But, he does. Uh, he's very small. But he uh, he's very little. But you know, he tries. Uh, he gave it. He had Look, gumption. Like I said, he was a man. He was. Or he jumped in there. Or you know, she thinks he's a man. She thinks he's a man. You think I'm a man? But I guess again, the action isn't what we need. We do get a confrontation between her and the master. She stabs him in the chest. And even though his, uh, like I said, he was trying to steal some of that comedy thunder from Paul Rubens, which is an impossible task, she defeats him. She ends up with Luke Perry. Oh, man, we forgot all about the big moment. Uh, So in all the, like, your typical movies, and this is actually a larger point that I had, which is uh, it's sort of upending a lot of norms and a lot of uh, usual tropes that are in these kinds of movies. Uh, but usually in a movie like this, like if you look at a, like Enough by Jen- with Jennifer Lopez, I've never seen that movie, but I guarantee you there's, I a, have. <laughs> there's a scene where she looks in a mirror and cuts her hair off. Is that in there? Well, yeah, there's yes, a lot of there like, is. There's always is the there, woman transforming by cutting her hair off. Right, in, in that trope, and they have that in this. But it's Luke Perry throughout the entire movie. He's got this terrible little soul patch again, yeah. very '90s. And his like, he's like, you know, creating wooden stakes and everything. And his reclaiming his power, or like uh, g- grabbing his power, is him shaving off in one swi- one quick little motion, shaving off a soul patch. It's great, pretty excellent. And then he is immediately the sexiest man alive. And yeah, he they, went from a sexy man to the sexiest he man alive. He also changes his hair. He had just sort of like of a scruffy, like kind of in your face yeah, hair. True. And then he went to full on. What was his name in nine hundred two one zero? Dylan. Uh, yes. Uh, he went into like full on Dylan. But he shaved the soul patch. He sh- he kind of put his hair up, like slick back and up. And uh, man. Man, it Woo! works. It works. Woo! I got cramps. John popped a boner. <laughs> we, we knew we are, that. we are the chosen one. <laughs> we are the chosen. We are. We both of us are the chosen one. Um, well, I feel like to counter again your action <laughs> because it's a perfect film. I think what it lacks in action, it makes up for in oh, one liners and comebacks. One of my favorite moments in the movie is right before Buffy kills Paul Rubens. Uh, Paul Rubens has had his arm pulled off in a harrowing car accident thanks to Luke Perry Pike and Paul Rubens tells Buffy I can do anything and Buffy says oh yeah clap 
it's that's a great line. incredible that's a great it's line. a great line so you know what and for my druthers i prefer that to the best fight scene ever i will say the buffy show probably had a better blend of both of yeah. action and but look there have been five years they sort of perfected it i do think yeah the buffy show picked up where this one uh, left off and made the action a little bit more prominent and actually toned down the comedy quite a bit yeah that's true the buffy the drama. was more of a drama for yeah, sure yeah so i think that that got it a little bit more right but yeah, a ton of funny one-liners. We haven't, uh, we're probably reaching the end here, but we haven't talked about Donald Sutherland at all. Oh, yeah, we should talk about Donald Sutherland. Part of the reason that Joss Whedon had a horrible experience on this movie was he was apparently a real prick to work with, but he's really good in the movie, I think. He, he to me, adds the heart to the movie. He is what uh, sort of makes the big change in Buffy. Uh, he is, as we saw, Buffy had the sort of absentee parents. He is like that father figure to Buffy. He does somebody care who about, cares her. about her and, and makes her recognize her own potential. Exactly. He makes her realize that she's really special, that she is smart, that she is amazing uh, and that she, you know, that she's worth it. And he uh, very early on, he says that my job is to never interfere, no matter how wonderful I think the girl is. And he's telling in that moment that she's wonderful and then when the moment comes when Buffy is going to die at the master's hand he does interfere because he loves her he cares about her and he loses his life for it yeah uh, and that's sort of a big change for her yeah I mean and he's so good he, he knew he was going to get re- reincarnated right 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 right, right 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 well I, had, I said that too I was like why is she so upset he's just going to come back again yeah <laughs> but uh, it's still a sad moment but he was good and like I remember watching uh, at the scene where Buffy like all of our friends they've just gotten done practicing or something and Buffy is the first time we see her do like tumbling and flips and stuff. Right. The first time won't be the last. The first appearance of Christy Swanson's body double. (laughs) And all of a sudden Donald Sutherland's there to convince her to go out to the cemetery with him. And at first I was like, oh, this is this could be super creepy. Like Mm -hmm. an older man, a young girl, she's sort of scantily clad, Mm -hmm. and they're alone in this room together. But I feel like somehow Donald Sutherland made that, like, work. And yeah. made me, like, believe that this girl would follow him. And obviously the, the, the whole thing about uh, him knowing her specific details about her dreams was very convincing. But I feel like, yeah, he, he has a very non-threatening presence about him in this movie that I feel like if they remade this movie with any of the, with like Anthony Hopkins in that part Anthony Hopkins would be scary he'd be lecherous we, yeah exactly it'd be, it'd be you wouldn't want to go or like Jeremy Irons or somebody I like do another, not want to like, go to a cemetery with Jeremy Irons no for sure <laughs> but you just feel like creeped out by them but I feel like Donald Sutherland had this soft touch in the movie that I really do feel works obviously later there is a scene where it's him and Buffy it, he's kind of that's when he's saying like I can't interfere and kind of admitting how much he's like loving this experience and, you know, falling for her in a way as, like, a father figure. Mm-hmm. And he cracks a joke the one time in the movie, and it's just, like, the sweetest scene in the whole movie. Yeah. And, um, uh, just a really, uh, you know, standout performance among a movie... With, with plenty of standout performances. Yeah. Hilary Swank is very funny. Two to- oh, I'm sorry. I believe you're referring to two-time Academy oh. Award winner Hilary Swank. Right. Hil- uh, two-time Academy Award winner Hilary Swank is very funny. Obviously, David Arquette, who I'm not a fan of. I like I him in this. Generally not a fan. Like, I love him as Dewey in the Scream movies, or uh, at least the yeah, very first Scream sure. movie. Except for the second one where he gets stabbed again, and they're like, oh, they got him in the scar tissue, so he's okay. Like, Lots 
not David Arquette's fault. I'm calling bullshit on that one. (laughs) You can't blame David Arquette for the story. (laughs) He did his best. I guess so. But uh, besides him and that, where I thought, like, oh, who's this young actor who I'm going to like forever? Uh, Also, as a professional wrestling fan, I'm annoyed at David Arquette because at one point in the early 2000s, he was made to be uh, World Championship Wrestling world champion for a time and this is a belt that hulk hogan has held that rick flair has held uh kevin nash like a very reputable belt that was very legitimate going back many many years and they gave it to david arquette who was a non-wrestler by the way he's still wrestling he just wrestled in a match like a couple weeks ago it's the, he's got the weirdest career i should do an entire episode on david arquette because he's the weirdest man alive anyway so i'm not a fan of him these are all personal reasons but he's pretty funny in this he's Pretty funny. This, I think there's one superstar that you have completely left out of this. And who is that? The soundtrack. Oh, man. The soundtrack is so good. It's a who's who of the early 90s. It's Matthew Sweet. It's Toad the Wet Sprocket. It's Susanna Hoffs from the Bengals. I love the soundtrack. I bought, I remember buying the soundtrack on CD and playing the soundtrack so much it got scratched up and I had to rebuy it. Oh, wow. And hearing all, oh, and CNC Music Factory. Right. So watching this movie again and hearing all of the music was so much fun for me. I remember me. we went and saw a Toad the Wet Sprocket show out here yeah. one time. That was them and the Counting Crows. Talk about your 90s I mean, double acts. I love Toad the Wet Sprocket. Um, but they did the song from this, and yeah. you flipped out. Well, that's the song from Buffy! Yeah, and it was you, and then to my left was this guy who was clearly a... He only called them Toad. Yeah, he was a diehard he, he was a Toad the Wet Sprocket super fan. They left... He and his girlfriend left after Toad was Yeah, they're like, fuck you, Counting Crows. Nobody came here for you. We came here for Toad. We came for Toad. And uh, he knew every song. Every time the singer was, like, introducing the song, he would, like, announce. He would, like, mutter under his breath what the song was going to be. And these were, like, from new albums. Like, they're like, all right, we're going to play a brand new one. And he'd be like, oh, this is the American Way. And he's like, oh, it's American (laughs) Way. And it's like, how do you know this, man? But anyway. He likes what he likes. uh, He does. Uh, I mean, I can't say anything. I just went and saw. I dragged you to a Jamiroquai concert in New New York, of all places, dragged you across the country to see Jamiroquai. Remember we them? We flew to New York so that you could see Jamiroquai. <laughs> and it was everything. It was, it was so it was good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was so good. Anyway, but that song came on. It was... It's a great song. It's the during the Little dance. Heaven. It's where uh, it's Little Heaven, right? Where they, uh, where Luke Perry and uh, Buffy get dance, a chance, get a chance and to kiss. dance and kiss for the first time. This is before all hell breaks loose. Yeah. In the madcap ending of the movie, but uh, it's a really, it's an awesome song. It's uh, an awesome song. It's among, an awesome a lot of awesome soundtrack. Songs, yeah. I love the soundtrack. It's so fun. It's very good. We've we've kind of gone all over the place with this thing, but I mean, maybe I, you did. <laughs> I feel like I stayed very much on track. Very on track. <laughs> but I mean, I, like we've just gushed about it for an hour. So I mean, this is a great movie. Like it's, I enjoyed this so much. I had so much fun rewatching this. It's just so fun. It's just so much fun. Like, after not having seen it for quite a few years, I feel like I'm gonna add this back in the rotation of like. At least once a year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is something that if it's ever on HBO or Stars or whatever, I will watch. If it's on, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit through the whole thing. Well, I do that anyway. I know earlier you asked me when's the last time I had seen it, and I said years. I think you know, anytime it does come on, I think I always have it on in the background. But yeah. I have not sat down to, to like, watch really, this yeah. top to tail in years. Yeah. And I just love. I mean, I loved it anyway, but I just loved it even more. If you're a fan of. Uh, great 80s soundtracks or early 90s soundtracks if you're a fan of great comedy actors if you're a fan of Pee Wee Herman or Paul Rudd
Rubens. And if you're okay with no brief nudity. <laughs> if, you're okay, if you're okay with zero boobs with and zero, zero butts. And zero dick, which I am not okay with. Yeah. Uh, Did you expect a penis to show up at some point in I, Buffy the Vampire Slayer rated PG-13? <laughs> I didn't. But I just think in general there should be more. In the way that we're all desensitized to breasts in film, we should be desensitized to penis. Well, I know it's still not an even uh, split between boobs and it dicks. It is not. We have had a huge uptick uh, in dicks in we film. Have. We have. We <laughs> have. We as a society, we uh, have all had a huge uh, uptick in dicks in film. Uh, well, I beginning, may of continue. course, with, with forgetting Sarah Marshall, but, you know, Smilf. Well, what I mean, Smilf on H- we did, Showtime, I brought that up. Quite a few dicks in that. Yeah, but you brought up Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Dicks, we have had an uptick for the past few years, many upticks of dicks being used as a joke. Just seeing a dick is hilarious. Just seeing Jason Siegel standing there with his dick out is funny. I mean, I want to see dicks. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to see dicks be the butt of a joke. I don't want to see dicks in an art house movie starring Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I want to see and what dicks a dick it was. in the way that we see boobs. And what I loved about the uh, seeing dicks in Smilf was that there was a scene where there were just dudes talking in a locker room and there were just dicks out. And I thought that's so great because if this, and of course that's created by a woman, Frankie Shaw, but if this were a scene in a woman's locker room, there'd be boobs everywhere. We wouldn't think anything of it. So I... I just think we should all have more dicks. And if okay. I could do anything to change Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie, I'll go back and see Paul Rubens' dick. Because I know he'd be down for it. <laughs> he obviously had no problem with that. He would have been, sign me up. He, uh, they probably had to ask him not to. Probably. He probably just pulled that thing out. Like, they should have let him. God. Yeah, they should have let him. Well, that could have been the one way to make that movie well, even talk better. talk about action. You want more action in the movie? Pull out Paul Rubens' sweet D. Oh, well, well, what do you, the audience, think? Should Paul Rubens have <laughs> more got, dick, gotten arrested? Should he have gotten arrested before? Uh, do you think uh, Buffy is an unsung classic, or do you think that it deserves a stake in the heart? Aww. Let us know. Uh, you can email us on hwigpodcast at gmail.com. That is uh, short for Here's Why It's Great Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you could find us on Instagram or on Twitter at H-W-I-G podcast. Uh, Lindsay, what have you got to plug? Uh, well, uh, as John mentioned, I am a writer on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina for Netflix, uh, so please tune in and check us out. And if you haven't already watched Part 1's on Netflix now, as is the holiday special, A Midwinter's Tale, never too uh, late or early to start your Christmas viewing. That's true. Uh, so hop on on it, please. Yeah, you know, they usually wait till like July for like Christmas in July. Let's do Christmas in January. Christmas in January. Like, not everybody has even taken them to the decorations yet. I think it's time to start back. I think it's Sorry, time. I think Mariah needs to sing All I Want for Christmas is You starting now instead of waiting for September. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is when sense. they usually start it at this point. Uh, well, cool. Yeah, no, Sabrina's a fantastic show. Um, there's no question that that's great. So we're not going to have to do an episode <laughs> on that. So thank you so much. This is the first time you've been on the show. Certainly won't be the last. And thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I am John Bring. I am Lindsay Calhoun Bring. And here's why it's great. Thank you.